I just needed a place where I knew I wanted to have food growing, you know, a place that no, if something, if the world shut down, if something crazy happened, I would have a place to go and there's food there and there's water there and I can, there's shelter there, which is really all you need. Most people are, you know, crazy with what they think they need, but really that's all you really need when it comes down to it. Hi, it's me, Donalisa Valencia, lovingly known as DL. And before we get started with this week's episode, I would love and appreciate with all my heart if you would hit subscribe on this podcast. It's the best way for you to stay tuned to all my future episodes. Plus, it keeps us all connected around the world to the peace and joy that comes from High Vibe Connection. Today, I'll be sharing more stories stories of life lessons filled with wisdom, intuition, lots and lots of aha moments, and most importantly, deep connection to an energy that is beyond words, that when you choose to tap into it, your life's journey of evolution and transformation is filled with manifestations that are magical. You become the light of love, of peace, and of joy. You create a domino effect of energy that travels all over this planet as you make dreams come true in ways you never imagined. In this episode, we get to hear the stories of Matthew Human, a very dear friend of mine who I affectionately refer to in Spanish as Humano. His music and lyrics birthed from the core of his soul, his artistry reminiscent of the greatest songwriters of the 60s. Matthew's extremely conscious, aware, and intentional way of approaching life led to his development of Finca Vida Verde, an off-the-grid permaculture farm in Costa Rica. And he shares the number one lesson in his life, learning how to breathe. Breathe in, breathe out. What a gift. We are all one-of-a-kind amazing spirits, each continually transforming as both our joyful and painful moments become the tapestry of our personal evolution, allowing us to connect more deeply with the feminine divine, with source, with mother nature, with all that is, with the way of the Tao, with an energy I happen to call God. So, are you ready? It's time for more High Vibe Connection with me, D.L. Matthew Human, humano. Hello. Bien. Oh my gosh, it is so wonderful seeing you. You are such a beautiful soul. Thank you for taking the time that I know was a bit challenging for you this morning getting online in Costa Rica. It wasn't challenging getting online. It was challenging uh, finding the time between all of the little things. But I, of course, this is, um, I'm happy to make time for you anytime, Donna Lisa. Mm-hmm. Thank you, my love. Thank you. You look absolutely beautiful as always. Oh my gosh. Yes. <laughs> thank you. You as well. Ah, oh, thank you. So before we dive into, 
all about high vibe connection. What I would love to know that you can share with everybody out here in the world is what does high vibe connection mean to you? I guess, I mean, just whatever is is connecting for the betterment of betterment of all, betterment of everybody, like the betterment of yeah, the highest vibration, obviously, the connection of the highest vibration. I mean, just dissecting the word. Um, what is the highest vibration to me is what is like win, win, win for everybody, for the planet, for every species, everything, you know? And if I can do something good for me and good for you and good for good for the the earth and and all of my community and and people then it's that's what to me i guess would be the highest vibration <laughs> what do you connect with that allows you to stay grounded i know before we got into this conversation today you sent me a message and you said hey deal can you just give me about 15 minutes i just want to take a moment and ground mm-hmm. yeah and when you think about grounding mm-hmm. what is it that you, what is that experience? What do you do and what are you grounding with? Well, for me, it, um, I just take a moment to breathe and like slow down and try and, you know, my brain always has a million things going on. So just to like try and clear it, I don't know that that actually succeeded today, like in the tip, my 10 minute meditation, but just at least clear out some of the stuff that was already in there and just let it you know, it's kind of like, yeah, it's just like, to me, I don't know if there's a good analogy, but like, a, you know, it's like a room when there's a bunch of stuff in there. It's hard to like, you know, it's hard to move things around. But then when you're, when you take the time to like clear things out, like cleaning your house, kind of, it's cleaning my mental house. <laughs> That's beautiful. That is beautiful. You chose to uh, take on the name human and before we talk about our first meeting, I would love to hear what inspired you to take on that moniker for yourself. Um, at the time, I did. I changed my name in two thousand three, and there was a, you know, the world was different. I was different. Um, I had just finished. Uh, well, dropped out of studying anthropology and human evolution and human culture. Um, so that was strong on my mind. Michael Franti had just released Stay Human, which was one of my favorite albums at the time, which kind of just got me thinking about humanity in general and what that meant. Um, I was at a, I was performing, I was invited to op- perform at a, um, a one-year anniversary for an earth-first tree sitter in Northern California who had been sitting in a tree for a year and she had just come down, you know, after being up there for a year. And I was performing at like kind of the, it was a celebration for her. And the, this astrologer that I knew that was in the audience, Antonia Lamb, who was um, kind of like an old hippie banjo playing astrologer. She must have been in her like early, late 60s, early 70s then. You know, she lived through the 60s and, you know, in Mendocino was like the, that was very much like a center for 
conscious, uh, you know, evolving culture, I guess you could say. And, um, you know, so I had a lot of respect for her. Um, she was the local astrologer on the local radio station. And I had chosen this name that I was going by at the time, Matthew Earthfire. And Earthfire was kind of a limited uh, take. I, I chose it because my knowing that my birthday was on the cusp of an earth and a sign and a fire sign. And I had always resonated, you know, my, it's, my birthday is April 19th. So when you look at uh, the newspaper, it always says April 19th is Aries. But it was around that time that I really discovered that actually at the time, exact time I was born, zero degrees Taurus, I had just moved into Taurus. So I was kind of in this like cusp. So I, you know, just kind of like thought it was a cool name, Matthew Earthfire, and kind of resonated with me. Um, and she told me that uh, she thought if I, she thought my music had a universal quality that that she hadn't seen since the 60s she said and which is an honor in and of itself you know she compared me to like artists like Crosby Stills and Nash and like all the you know great my let my heroes and um told me that she thought I should change my name to reach the maximum potential for my music. And so considering that an astrologer is telling me this and I chose my name based on my limited astrology, I figured, okay. So I meditated that day. I thought very deeply about like, what do I want? Who do I want to reach with my music? Because at the time my music was very much um, mission driven. It's, I mean, it still always is for me. It's always, you know, there's always an intention of of, you know, creating a higher vibration no matter where I am. But like back then, especially, it was very direct. I mean, some of my lyrics were very like political, socio social, and and I really felt like I needed to get it out. There was almost like preaching my own gospel or not even mine, but like what I saw as the gospel of life, things, what I felt needed to be expressed that wasn't being expressed in, uh, in the planet. I was just this conduit um, and very aware of that. And so my, yeah, so I meditated that night on um, who do I want to reach? And I went through all these kind of possibilities of names. And I just realized it was like the least common denominator, the only thing that we all have in common, the only thing is that we're human. And there's nobody who can't, can say like, I don't relate with that. I don't resonate with that. I mean, yeah, they'll say like, whatever. They could think I'm a weird hippie because my name is human or whatever, but like, the end of the day, it actually, and it actually kind of proved itself to be pretty neutral. Like, it's funny, I could go in just about any circle and, you know, and say, my name is Matthew Human. And some people, is that your birth name or your real name? Or like, what is that? They, you know, they never really know what it is because you don't usually meet people named human. And um, so, yeah, I just went by human after that for about, uh, for about, Till 2000, yeah, till about 2013. For about 10 years, I was just going by human. Um, and my, when my father died in 2013, I re kind of, I merged my worlds. We moved back to Nashville, which you're in Tennessee. That's where we met was in Nashville. And I was living in Oregon at the time. My father passed away. So I moved with my mother to Nashville. I took the name Matthew back on because it was, it was it was just like I was also going for like a country music career at the time and human just didn't and marketing wise, like honestly, like thinking about like starting to get actually business, like marketing the name human is insane. It's like 
you said something about people were kind of like, wow, what's that? Human. And I have to admit, when I first met you and I said, hi, what's your name? And you said human. <laughs> well, that's unique. And I loved it because what it said to me is that you were willing to own a name that connected with your soul, with your spirit. And mm. we had, I, I had gone to uh, Nashville for New Year's Eve, very spontaneously. I believe it was in 2014. Uh, 2012, 13. Yeah. Well, it was either, no, it was New Year's of 2013 going into 14 is I believe when it happened. Mm -hmm. And we got together with a very last minute group of beautiful spiritual beings who are very deeply connected with the universe, with the feminine divine, with all that is with just basically this beautiful mother nature energy as you were sitting here immersed in Costa Rica, you know, the jungle behind you. And I remember sitting at dinner with you prior to hearing you sing. I heard you were going to be the entertainment that evening and you were very quiet and I was listening and you were very reserved and opening yourself up, just sitting there, eating your food, taking in the conversation. And then the music started and you began to very humbly from the core of your being sing lyrics that had me teary, that, that took this energy out of me and purged any sense of toxicity whatsoever from what was going on in the planet. I connected so intensely with your message of every lyric you were singing. And I remember you stopping to say, my name is human because mm. I have, I recognize the planet is extremely capable of taking care of itself, mm -hmm. but it's the human race that I am here to empower with my words to help heal. Yeah. And that was just like, wow, do you remember this moment? I don't remember that moment exactly. I mean, I remember, I remember the night. I remember, you know, like being at Diana's place and I remember, yeah. And, and yes, I mean, that is my truth is like, I've, you know, I used to be one of those save the planet, you know, kind of, but it's like, I started thinking about like, save the planet. Planet doesn't need us. The planet, we're like, we're a, we're a scab on this planet. Like as soon as we go, like the planet's just going to do something else. Like, it's not the planet that we need to save. It's our, it's, it's humanity. And, you know, I don't even know if we're, sometimes I really wonder if, if it's worth it, but you know, I'm, I'm here and, you know, I, I, <clears throat> I want to believe that we have some purpose for good to be on this planet. Um, yeah, but I don't know. I'm sorry. We absolutely do. And, and you are one of the people that has truly inspired me to believe in what I believe is my purpose, which is to help people connect with their deepest sense of joy, to connect with the beautiful spirit inside of them. And how do we do that? We stay immersed in this connection with whatever we perceive as our high vibe connection, whether it is God, whether it is the feminine divine, whether it is uh, uh, Jehovah, whatever, mother nature, the energy of knowing that we are not in this alone, that we are all connected by energetically and 
you spoke of the fact that we met at Diana's, Diana Morningstar. There is another example of someone who has this most beautiful name that resonates out to the world with her energy. She is just a butterfly floating around and sharing that energy. And I cannot imagine this planet when you say, I hope that I am able to make an impact on the planet, on the human race. I think of people like you, like Diana Morningstar, who we create the trickle effect by simply touching those that we are able to speak with, to sit with, to converse with, to simply share our energy, our message. It is undeniable the domino effect of love and peace and joy that we are able to transfer out into the planet. And the magic, the synchronicity of events happening that particular weekend, I had not been working in the entertainment industry for a few years. I had deeply immersed into uh, my partnership with a shaman at the time. And it was the most amazing five years of evolution for me, next step. But I happened to have with me a video camera and I watched you up there and the intuition in me, this energy, this goosebump energy rose in me and said, I have to ask him, mm -hmm. is somebody, what is he doing here? And has somebody taken time to document this on video at all? And ironically, you happen to be there in Nashville recording for four days. Yes. Yeah. And, and I needed somebody to film. And I remember there was, I do remember that. I remember the synchronicity because I was like, actually, I was actually looking for someone to document this, the experience. So yeah, I remember that. That wow. is the beauty of synchronicity. And that is one of the reasons I love to bring guests on such as yourself. Mi humano, I call him mi humano in Spanish, my human, my my beloved mi amore. Um, the example of what happened with us in those four days, I had literally gone to Nashville to stay over for one, maybe two nights. And I was not at a place financially where I could create this big documentary, nor were you. But what we had was this awareness that we had been brought together by the divine in for a purpose. The purpose for you was you had put out to the universe, I need someone to video me creating this music in the next four days. It would, when you say need, I would love it. I would love to share this experience with the world based on someone capturing it on video. I, on the other hand, needed to have, wanted to have the feeling of diving into my creative energy that I had not done for a while on that level. And so we made a beautiful agreement that we would come together and all you needed to do was provide the monies for the tape that I needed because back then I was recording on tape and give me just a little bit of a stipend that I could pay an editor to bring it together for us. And I devoted four of the most beautiful days of recording mm -hmm. you 
with a little camera. I had no lighting. So I took lamps from the studio. I held them up. I used myself as a dolly, as a crane. And at the end of the studio session, I remember, what was the name of the studio again in Nashville? Do you remember? County Q. Uh, County, County Q, yes. County Q. County, County Q. And the owner of County Q comes up to me at the end of the recording. He was so enamored by what we were creating together and had brought in the most beautiful musicians to play with you. And he says to me, I have to let you know, in the history of this studio, people have come in from production companies and they have done behind the scenes. He says, I have never seen the synchronicity of what you two just created, it was magical. Yeah. I wonder if that, where that video, I have it video. I know I have it. I'm not sure if, I think it's online somewhere. Have you seen it recently? Oh, yes. It's definitely out there. As a matter of fact, I'll make sure to put in the notes for this podcast where everyone can find it because it yeah. truly is a beautiful video. And it specifically the one song that I included because it touched me so deeply is Breathe. Mm -hmm. Can you please share with our listeners how Breathe came to be and what it means to you, especially because you noted at the beginning of this that you take time to meditate and to breathe to ground yourself. So can you please share a bit about that? Yeah, well... I, I mean, I, I think I was, I think for a lot of my youth and even up until about 21, I didn't really know how to breathe properly. I was, no one ever taught me, you know, like, it's funny. It's like you're human and you're not, there's all the basic things I realized from my youth. Like I was never taught the most basic things about living, you know, like how to breathe properly, how to chew properly, how to shit properly, excuse my language, how to use the bathroom properly. I mean, it's like, there are like ways. I mean, you just, yeah, like you could just do it. Yeah. If you just breathe, if you can just breathe, like, yeah, but like there's ways to do it that actually are in conscious and aware and intentional that actually have a stronger, a better effect. It's like, you know, like same with all those things. It's like, if you chew in a certain way, you're going to, you know, you're going to digest better. If you use the bathroom in a certain way, you're going to release better and feel... So breathing for me, I always, there was, I, I had a lot of anxiety in my, you know, around that time, not like in my late to early twenties. Um, and I took a course with a, I took saxophone lesson. I'm a, I have a sax player. I've been a sax player since I was, um, 15 years old or 12 years old. And I hadn't taken a lesson in a while. And I had this housemate who was a saxophone player and he was also a tai chi master and he gave me a sax lesson because i was you know wanting to bring up my saxophone playing and and the first thing he taught me was actually like the most important lesson of probably my entire life which was how to breathe properly and you know i i couldn't believe it really just kind of blew my mind that at that up till that point I had never actually been taught how to breathe. And actually I was doing it when I thought about taking a deep breath. I was thinking of Daffy Duck. Like that was my influence. And Daffy Duck was always breathe the opposite. He would, which is not what you do. It's the opposite of that. You breathe in, your belly goes out. You 
breathe out, your belly goes in. Can you imagine like Daffy Duck taught me how to breathe and improperly? Like that's just so silly. So this man, Jin, his name was Jin, Jin not Jin Aquarian, but um, I forget, I can't remember his full name, but it was Jin. I remember that because I didn't know what a Jin was. And um, taught me how to breathe playing the saxophone. That was, and so the sax lesson was actually, it was actually Tai Chi and in, in disguise because also the posture and how you stand and how you hold the, it all is all like, you know, that was actually the best sax lesson I've ever had because I learned these, you know, um, di- you know, um, mechanics that I, that no one had ever taught me. So breathing and then, yeah. And then I, I wrote that song in, I think thousand. Three, I was living um, in Mendocino on the coast, and I that song was just one of those ones that like you just channel. I, I just channeled it. Like I was sitting in a wood fire. I don't know if I was stoned or not, but I smoked a lot of weed back in those days, so it's possible. Like my and that stuff just you know cannabis just tends to open my channel right up when I'm when I'm doing it, and so. Yeah, no, it just kind of came all the way through and just like really breathing. And then for a lot of years, that song really like gave me an opportunity as I was introing the song to teach other people how to breathe. Because I realized I was, you know, I don't want, I want to teach, I don't want other people to be in my same boat. So maybe there's other people out there who are never taught to breathe. So, you know, I'd always do that. Um, And actually, yeah, I've released it a couple of times and I have a new version that I recorded in Nashville with um, producer... Um, named Norbert Putnam, um, who, yeah, he's just a legend. He's a, if, if you look him up, you'll know, like he played bass with Elvis. He was Jimmy Buffett's producer. I had a really great opportunity to work with him. Super nice guy. He really liked that song a lot. So we re-recorded it and we still haven't released it yet, but I'm trying to like, you know, trying to figure out what, cause the music industry to me is just an anomaly. I have no idea how to make it work. Like, sure, I could release it, put it on Spotify and whatever. I mean, the amount of money it cost me to produce that song, I would never recoup in that scenario. So I'm just like, well, I'll just wait and see, wait for the next thing to happen, you know, because right now it's just, it's not a good, uh, <laughs> it's not a good environment for independent musicians. I'll say that, you know. Yeah, so. And what you're, what you're uh, sharing Absolutely. For independent musicians that are trying to get into the music industry, I know even I in the television industry, my vision for creating documentary films and other things, it's it's a big financial investment. So thank goodness for the ability to go out into the world through mediums like this, through Zoom, through podcasts, through Spotify, uh, through YouTube channels, because we at least get to put our content out to the world that resonates with us. And I think one of the most beautiful things about that is we stay that much more connected to our purpose rather than our financial return. Not that we're not looking, all of us, to have a level of green energy coming to us because it's a part of our survival, right? Uh, But at the same time, when we don't focus on the money first, because we have the ability to bring our vision, our dreams, our creativity out to the universe through this wonderful internet world, then what happens is 
we elevate our creativity. We elevate our conscious thinking. We elevate what it is that we want to share for the good of the planet. And just by the simple fact that we can connect online all over the planet, like I hear right now in Tennessee, you in Costa Rica, we are able to take our messages out and touch those who have opened to receiving the messages that we have to share at any given time that they open to it. That is oh, that one of, so sorry, go ahead. No, that's a really, I mean, that's, that's a nice, that's a nice way of looking at it. And probably like a good inspiration to me. I mean, I don't think I'm entirely concerned about the return because no, nothing I've ever released has, has really, you know what I mean? Like, but I think I'm just, I'm, I'm wanting to release it in a way that it's going to reach the most potential. And at some point, you know, I might just get sick of like waiting on it and just throw it up, you know, throw it against the wall and see if it sticks kind of thing. But I, you know, it just, yeah, I just kind of want it to be special, I guess, because I've put so much energy into it and um, I don't want to waste the opportunity of, you only get to release something once, you know, well, this song I've released before, but like this version of it is really special. And I'm like, how do I make it really like, how do I release it and make it really special? You know, like maybe wait till I have the money to produce a video or something like that to go along with it so that it's not just this nebulous song, another, another song on the internet, but well, yeah. I can affirm for you right now, just simply because you have put that energy out and you continue to put the energy out. I like you with this podcast. I'm throwing the podcast out against the wall, as, as you just said. I am trusting that God and all that is, is taking this podcast and putting it in the right audience, putting it, giving it to the right people, who, whomever it is. This is affecting people. So what I say for your song is, you'll know. Just like I knew. I have been planning to release a podcast since uh, the beginning of the pandemic when I was taking a course with Kathy Heller. Actually, she was the first person that I actually dove into listening to podcasts seriously. Mm -hmm. And it was because my sister Gina knew that I was outside painting porches, making some cash while, because I had just lost my my gig with Discovery because of the whole pandemic thing. And I'll tell you, it was one of the happiest moments in my life, simply mm. because I was outside connecting with nature, painting porches, listening to rock and roll music, and listening to podcasts by Kathy Heller. And her entire intention is to, she has taken from her musical background to dive even more deeply. And I share this with you because it is what I'm going to talk about next, which is that you are now in Costa Rica based on another dream for you. And for Kathy, though her roots are based in music and sharing with the world her musical talent, her creativity, her songwriting, her heart, her passion, she ultimately was able to delineate and say, I want to be able to help people around the world to connect with the purpose, the dream, what they want to make happen. And so she created this program called Made to Do This. Well, that was what, four and a half years ago, something like that, right? 
So I give this analogy for you because at that time, the podcast I was going to create was a completely different name. Mm. I was in the process of actually finally launching it just a little over a year ago. And that's when the universe said, nope, I got another path for you. I'm mm. going to have you be a community manager for this group called The Support System with Sherry Salata. And uh, the universe is saying, I'm going to help you to learn how to connect more so with people around the world and learn a little bit more about how to navigate this online world. Once that contract, once that time was over, which was a few months ago, I could feel it. Actually, right before it was ending, this was in the beginning of August, I could feel it. This energy was saying, Don, it's time. It's time. It's time. And so that evolved into where we are now. I started recording the podcast. What is it, six weeks ago now? So you, my beautiful Umano, you are a part of this divine creation. Your song, Breathe, I, it is absolutely a magical song. And I truly believe with all of my heart that your lyrics, your purpose, your reason for creating this song, the divine inspiration that came to you, it will go out into the world at the divinely perfect time. Okay. Thanks for that affirmation. <laughs> Absolutely. So that brings us to you are in Costa Rica. Yes. Share with everybody another beautiful journey. Why are you there? How long have you been there? What is it that you envision? What was the core of this dream? Oh, well, that's a bigger conversation. That's a big question, but I can answer it. I'll try and be succinct. Um, I was brought here in 2007 by my best friend, Stephen Brooks, who had formed a, he had been, have a, he has a center down in the South Caribbean of Costa Rica called Punta Mona for um, a long, many years, like 15 years at that point. And um, I was actually at um, Expo West, which is like um, natural products expo in uh anaheim california it's one of the big um natural products expos and he had a food company that he was demoing there um they had this vegueoil bus um that they had traveled around the country it was like ran on vegetable oil and they would you know demo products uh, wherever they were they were sponsored by a bunch of number of companies um and we were on the bus, like hanging out with Daryl Hannah, playing music and like, you know, just living this like crazy, super good time. And Steven looks over at me and goes, human, why haven't you ever come to Costa Rica? And I was just, I don't know. I, you know, never had the, had the, I was going to Hawaii a lot then. So from going to Hawaii, I knew that I wanted to live in the tropics. Like forever since I went there, I was just like, this is the life I want. I do not like that. I was born in New York upstate. I'm not made for the cold. My Italian blood is like screaming for warmth always. And so, um, so when I went to the, I knew I wanted to live in the tropics. I knew I wanted to grow food. I was always been, a, uh, totally obsessed with community. Um, I was traveling for years. I was touring eco villages and just really knew that that was like the way forward for humanity. That if we were going to survive, that was like, we have to start getting back to that way of life, a more localized, community-oriented, 
way of life. So he brought me here. One of the places he brought me was where I am currently, which is the Takotal Colectivo Eco Village. Um, at the time, there was no no other project. There was they had started the project down the road called La Ecovia. Um, at the time, it was called Copali Communities. And all they had was like the garden, the ponds, the trees, but they had no people, no, you know. And so we walked up this road, we ate two mangoes. There was a couple guys hanging out like under, you know, literally this tight, this little like Burning Man style, like rustic kitchen in the middle of nowhere. We ate mangoes. We went to the river, jumped in the river. I was just blown away. The river here is just magical, the Machuca. And, um... We left. We we walked home. We walked back down the road and left. And that year, he asked me if I wanted to join the community. And I had already been part of kind of. I was with Stephen while he was fundraising for the community, and so I knew a lot of the people that were already part of it. And a number of them were very, um, you know, they had been successful professionals. Um, Stefan Schechter was one of the co-founders of e- of Ecotees Mate, which I'm actually drinking right now. Um, you know, he was one of the members and, and, um, Lewis Fox, who's a great media creator, um, you know, did, did like the Matrix and, um, grocery store wars, the story of stuff, all these great viral videos that at the time were very popular. Um, there's a lot of really interesting, cool people, a lot of musicians, one of my, you know, bat- former Music, uh, musicians in my band, Alana Sydney, who actually introduced me to Steven, had already become a member. So there was just all this synchronicity. They were formed at Burning Man. I'm not a burner uh, per se, but they, you know, Rainbow Gatherings was my inspiration. Um, but they, you know, the ideas were the same. Like, let's build an off-grid you know, sustainable, eco, you know, regenerative project that we can not only survive on, but thrive on and, um, you know, get the matrix. And for me at the time, there was also the reality of like, I don't, I was, uh, you know, 27 at the time, 20, almost 28 and, you know, didn't really have a home. I was just traveling. I was full time on the road traveling, playing music, going from place to place. And, you know, in the fall, I'd go back to Oregon and trim pot and make money and go back out on the road and play music and, you know, make a little bit of money, but just enough to basically get by. So I needed a home and I knew that. And I was starting to get to the place in my life where I was like, I really want a family. And, um, I just needed a place where I knew I wanted to have food growing, you know, a place that no, if something, if the world shut down, if something crazy happened, I would have a place to go and there's food there and there's water there and I can, there's shelter there, which is really all you need. Most people are, you know, crazy with what they think they need, but really that's all you really need when it comes down to it. And, um, so yeah, so I, um, I bought in. It was, it was at the time very affordable. It was also, you know, that was a big part of it was I could afford it. And, um, you know, it was raw, rustic land off the grid. Um, and I started, you know, just poco a poco, like chopping little bits here and there. I camped for three, four, three years. Um, I was only down here in the dry season because there's three, six, it's like Costa Rica is a four month dry season. And then, um, 
you know, eight month rainy season. So I was only down here in the dry season. So unfortunately that wasn't necessarily a good thing because that's all I got to witness. So, you know, the experiencing those first rainy seasons was like, Oh, okay. This is a whole nother thing. Um, but I was inspired by a lot of the projects that I'd seen before me. Punta Mona was inspiring to me as a place where people gathered to learn. And, and it was a, it was a place that was exhibiting these kind of, it was exhibiting permaculture. It was exhibiting food forestry. That's what I wanted to do. I wanted to create a place where, and people come there and they feel calm and they feel a sense of community. And so that was my, a big part of my inspiration. Also like being, spending time in Hawaii down in like, um, Kipahulu in the South, uh, you know, South coast of Hawaii, like just this cool community where people would walk to each other's farms and, and, um, there was a little fruit stand, a little food, you know, hub, a little cafe that you could just go to. It was just open and, you know, so simple. And they would literally go and, you know, pick the food for the salad you'd order. Literally they had lettuce growing right there and you'd just go and they'd, I mean, I just thought that was brilliant. Like that's real farm to table, you know? So I wanted that for myself. That was what I wanted because I felt like those were the best things that I could offer is like the pick the best of the best of, of things that I'd witnessed and, and make it happen. So that's kind of what I've been doing down here is developing what is now called Finca Vida Verde. Um, and it's the idea as an eco-educational retreat and event center. So the focus on eco-education, um, you know, I, we host a lot of um, permaculture, ecology, um, herbalism. We host an annual herbalism group. Um, we've hosted tantra groups, astrology. Um, these, anything that I feel like, I mean, that's my passion, but the reality is it also needs to sustain as a, as a business. So really we can host any kind of retreat. So the idea is to have a place that is, has a, an ecological presence where people can learn just by walking. Like I have signs on the fruit trees and we do farm tours here so people can see. And I mean, and the first thing I did was just plant the shit out of the, um, pardon my language. Sorry, we're not on TV. We can do this. Plant the heck out of this place. And, um, you know, plant fruit trees everywhere because they take a lot of years to grow. I mean, a fruit tree takes you know, upwards of five, six, seven years before they start producing. So, and, and, you know, until then they're just like these spindly little, you know, things that you look at someone and point at like, well, that's going to be one day, it's going to be a, a tree, but right now it just looks like a little shrub. Um, so yeah, just, you know, we're finally at that place where the trees are all like starting to mature. Um, it's, um, I, I, and during COVID I was able to, well, the community grew up around me. So while I was here doing this, Echovia, what became La Echovia down the road, that original project was built and sold. 45 families lived there, ecological. It's an eco-village. Eco um, since then, um, Alegria Village was formed, which is literally across the street from, from my home, which is... Um, uh, 180, uh, home sites. And then there's a new one down the road, which is forming called Echo Via San Mateo, which is 280 lots. I mean, it's like this eco village. We've kind of, this area has exploded into an international eco village hub. Like we really are, um, intending to create a new way of life and exhibit an internationally formed, 
um, eco, like ecologically based community. Um, so it's really inspiring to be a part of. I've been part of it since the beginning, which is really kind of mind blowing. But you know, my whole life has probably like you know geared me towards that. So now having this place, um, I've hosted a lot of people, a lot of musicians. That's the other side of it is the event center. So we also host events. Um, and right now we're at a place of, we have, um, two cabins and a main house, um, two like rentals and a main house. And re I'm ready to call in, um, uh, one or to maybe three more potential investor partners so that we can finish the build, which is another three rooms over here um, and redo some, some of the main structure um, and then also uh, purchase some surrounding land. And the next phase after that would be the bigger lodge, you know, another eight to 12 rooms and uh, a larger event center, which is what I envision. This is the bigger vision. Um, so yeah, and it's, it's, it's feel, it's really cool to be a part of. It's also been, you know, it's been a huge learning curve going from being a musician on the road to homesteading, to starting a business, you know, the homesteading part was almost easier because, you know, like you, yeah, there's a lot of skills to learn, but you know, they're, they're all pretty basic, you know, like gravity and, you know, it's, you with water, you do it's gravity with electric, it's current, you know, it's those things were not hard for me to learn, but like running a business and being successful and managing investors and managing, you know, that is a whole, that's the side that I've, um, been spending a lot of time with. And as I'm getting ready to, you know, really look for the next round of, of investor partners calling that in, you know, it's, it's not just, you know, one thing I learned with the music industry is nothing is good. I, I, I know that this may go against some spiritual beliefs, but it's not as simple as just telling God you want this or calling it in that how that is part of it because that aligns, I think us with the, with, with the vision, but there's actually, I think hard work really does pay off and like really putting the energy and um, time into it is super important. So I think I'm in that place right now where I'm just like, until this place is fully funded, fully completed, fully operating, I won't be able to rest um, because I'm just focused. That's my, my passion. And, uh, so yeah, you know, I have a podcast called La Vida Verde podcast, which I release episodes every Tuesday, which is, you know, here on the farm, right here in this spot actually with guests. And, um, so yeah, it's been, and I, and the community, I'm, I play a pretty big role in this local community, actually. Like I manage some of the local WhatsApp groups and, you know, um, as we're, this community is growing, they're, you know, new people are constantly coming. They're looking for advice and, and, and I'm doing some consulting on some of the house builds because man, some people come here and they don't really know what, what it takes to live here. You know, it's not like living in San Francisco. It's not like living in Nashville. It's, it's a whole nother climate, a whole nother reality. You know, there's different things, um, to consider, you know, airflow and, and, you know, the different seasons and, you know, where you want the sun, where you want the shade, you know, all that. So I'm also doing a little bit of that, but my big passion is 
Finca Vida Verde and keeping this place looking looking beautiful and inspiring people and getting it ready for, well, soon we'll be ready for the next um, round of, of guests. I have some long-term renters right here for the next three months, and then we'll be hosting some groups um, starting in... Um, starting in February. Okay. I have, I've been having goosebumps the entire time you're speaking because (laughs) I have watched your journey and how you just wrapped it up at the end was again, you connecting with my energy because I was, uh, I was going to ask you, how do you stay? how, How do you stay connected with your, with your energy, with your dream. And what you just affirmed is that it is not just about asking from the universe, make this dream come true. It is a blend. It is a blend of opening up the energy to say, this is a vision. I want this. I feel this. Help me to see it come to fruition and then releasing it to trust that it will evolve and you have no control over its evolution, but the steps that you take, the work that you take, they, or I should say, they become the part of the creation of the dream come true. And what you have just shown is so amazing for those out there that are thinking about, I have these, these thoughts, these visions of things that I want to create, but I just don't have the money. Look at what you have created with a vision and with very little because you believed in something and then you just gave it up to God, to the universe, to Mother Nature. And you said, I trust, we're going to make this happen. And look at what you've done, Umanum. Look at what you've done. Yeah, it's pretty, sometimes it's it's like, yeah, I'm, you know, and it's also like, it's nice to be reminded of that because all, when I walk around here, all I see is the things that I want to finish that aren't done. So, you know, it's a balance of like seeing both. It's like, you know, because my, that's what pushes me is like, uh, yeah, like we've we got all these great fruit trees, but look, there's that space that's waiting for that building. And, you know, so yeah, I'm, I'm, it's constantly that balance for me of like, what is, where we're at and being grateful and being, you know, honoring of what has happened and also like keep pushing to make it go to the next level, you know. And opening up continually that creative spirit. That is something when I think of high vibe connection, I think of the essence of creativity, the essence of imagination. When I was working at Disney, one of the most respected uh, groups of the entire Disney organization is the Imagineers. Because the Imagineers, it's a division that I was so honored to be invited into for the development of something at one point. You walk into this space, at the time it was located in Burbank, California. This was back in the, gosh, the mid-90s. And it felt to me like I was walking into the the um, studio in Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, right? But it was massive, just this massive 
imagination place, a place where you can push the boundaries of thought. And what was it in Chitty Chitty Bang Bang that was so inspiring? It was that the kid's uncle never gave up. He believed, right? Dick Van Dyke always believed. He believed in the possibilities, no matter what anybody said. When I think of the artists, the creatives, the people who have connected with a knowing, a divine energy that says, I can do this. I am, I am connecting with the essence of my soul, of my spirit, and I am allowing that divine energy to produce what I do not know is going to be produced, but I have a vision. That to me is what you have done, human. You have allowed yourself to connect with this divine high vibe energy. You have tapped into a knowing that you can make this happen, whatever this is. The, the fact that you spoke of the trees, planting of the trees, is also a beautiful reference to the growth and development of what you have been doing because you recognized in order to get to the future vision of what you had dreamed of back then, not really knowing what it would become, you knew you had to plant the seeds. You knew you had to let the roots form. You knew the trunks had to grow Mm -hmm. so that the branches could form, so that the blossoms could come from it. Ironically, I was speaking about that yesterday with someone as I am evolving what I am doing. And we spoke about a certain branch of the tree that I have laid foundation to for many years. My actual beginning of this specific dream started January 1st, 2014, ironically. Mm around the exact same time that you and I met. That's why I wasn't sure if it was 2014 or 2015, January, that we met because the vision I had was as clear as day on January 1st, 2014. And it was that my purpose is to help people like you connect with a consciousness to bring it to the world. Because well, that was absolutely, that was the day. No, January 1st, 2014 was the year. And that's what I thought it was. I was like, that's it. And at that moment, that's how powerful, that is how powerful synchronicity is. That's how powerful it is when we take the time to push away being should on, be push away being told, this is what you should do. This is what everybody says. For example, you choosing to say, I'm going to make my name human. I can only imagine there were many people that were saying to you, what? the name human. But for that moment in time, that name, when you created it, connected with the depth of the essence of who you are and you have owned it from your core. That is one of the greatest purposes of this podcast is to teach people out in the planet who are listening to this. You are worthy of connecting with that beautiful truth of your spirit, that part of you that gives you the greatest joy. And how many of us on this planet have allowed our light to be quelled by the bushel basket of society, of societal restrictions. So you have shared with us today your courage, your resilience, your belief 
in knowing that you are guided by an energy that you can't even see, but you know is there. By the way, as you're talking about where you are in Costa Rica, I'm thinking, because I love your podcast, I love what you are posting. What I've not seen is a flyover of all the different communities around there. I would love to see that because I had no idea of how expanded the area is. And I promise you, I will be one of the people going down there with a the group. I think what you are doing, living in this off-the-grid permaculture area, is beyond fascinating and glorious and gets to the root of what I am teaching, which is connecting with core. It's connecting. You are connecting with the core of the earth. You had mentioned being down there during COVID, and I knew you were. Yeah. Can you share with everyone what it was like to be in a permaculture space mm-hmm. during time when the masses of the planet were truly in the deepest of fear? Yeah. Yeah, and just one quick, and yes, and one quick uh, just clarification. I live in a permaculture off-the-grid community, the, the other communities are not off the grid. They're on uh, electrical, internet, water. So just, just to be clear, like there's a variety of situations here. In fact, some of the houses down there, uh, you know, they, um, you could be in Malibu. You know what I mean? Like there's some big houses like right on the grid. And I'm like, so being in an eco village doesn't mean you have to be like living in a shack with made of trees, you know, made of tree branches or something, you know? Um, in fact, we're all trying with this project. I'm trying to find that balance, you know, of comfort and luxury and, you know, but ecologically, obviously. Okay. So just to be clear about that. Thank okay. <laughs> to answer your question about um, what it was like during COVID, for me, it was a major affirmation of why I did this. Like the, there was a part of me from early on that was like, you know, a voice that was like, you better get your poop together, human, like world humans. In fact, I have this song called Be Prepared, which I released, you know, back in like 2004 or five or something like that. And then barely ever played for years. And and then during COVID, I like listened to it. So my friend was like, human, you should play this song. I like, holy crap. Like, yeah. Like, what if we all just listened to that back then, you know? And, um, what would we all be and how would we all be better? I mean, for me, it was, you know, be prepared, really. Like, we don't know what's coming. And why would we not, like, you know, get ourselves, you know, prepared for anything and be ready to weather any storm? I mean, for me, it just seems like such a duh principle. Like, duh, like, the very basics need to be covered. I'm always amazed at people who have so much faith and rely on these super fragile systems of like, you know, the food system is really, I mean, the food, the water, the electrical, electrical systems, one snip away from you're not having any power. The water systems literally are like one idiot away from like poisoning the entire source. The food systems all, if people just stopped believing in, I mean, the the way the, the the amount that farmers get paid for what they actually do, if they actually like 
rallied and stood up for what they did, the cost of food would go so much higher. And the oil, the oil, all it takes is like oil prices to rise. Those systems are so fragile. And I'm always amazed at people who just really have faith in them in cities in particular. I mean, cities are, if designed properly, can be very effective because, you know, it's concentrated people. You can concentrate food production. I mean, it could be done really well, but like, you know, most of these places, most cities don't have food growing all around them and don't have fruit trees everywhere. So, you know, to me, I'm just like, wow, you're really putting a lot of faith in the system to continue. And for me, it was always like, no. So COVID was basically like, yo, systems crashed. I was, I actually got in on the last, I was actually in Dallas visiting my, um, visiting my mom and my sister, um, when the, uh, last plane was a now where my cousin, uh, my brother-in-law works for American Airlines. He's like, human, you better, if you're going to go back, you better get on now. And I did. Fortunately, I listened because I was supposed to be there another week and I hadn't dealt with everything I needed to do, but I was just like, nope, it's time to go. So I did because he's like, they're starting to shut down flights everywhere. I got on the next flight. I was made the last flight into Costa Rica on American Airlines and came straight back. I met my friend who was an herbalist um, um, and she showed up from wherever with like just giant bags of antiviral herbs, like, um, you know, astragalus, ashwagandha, uh, you know, all these different like, uh, clove, uh, star anise. And like, we just hold up and like for, she stayed for a couple weeks and we just watched everything breaking down all the, everything shutting down this, 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 and this. And, uh, we were, I was, you know, and then I was just going to the river every day. You know, I go to the river and I mean, literally there was, it was so quiet here. I was, I loved, I, I, it's, I know it's hard for people to like, to say this because some people had such a hard time through it. I honestly loved it. It was so peaceful. It was so quiet. We had food growing here, which we started, you know, I started to, and it was mostly just me, my friend, after she left, it was mostly just me. And, you know, I had three or four friends that would come up and visit. Cause you know, we were all doing our quarantine back then. Um, you know, even down here, people were in the, in like Ecovia because Ecovia is a much more concentrated community. People were isolating and like, you know, afraid, you know, that, so, you know, the school shut down for a while and, and stuff like that. Um, so, but I'm up here in the, literally like I have, you know, no neighbors, had no neighbors within yelling with an earshot and just, was going to the river and eating food off my land. And we have this food delivery um, from an organic farm that uh, delivers once a week um, and they never stopped. They were just, you know, they grow the food on the farm and they bring it down here and we order it on Sunday. They deliver it on Wednesday. So for what I couldn't get here, I, I would, you know, order through them. And then I just did uh, one thing I realized is like, oh, I really love oil and we don't grow oil here. So like olive oil, coconut oil, um, salt, um, even alcohol, like for tinctures and different things. I was like preparing for like, okay, like we don't know how long this is going to last, what's going to happen. So I just stocked up and I literally like, I think I bought food like twice in, in a year. Um, and, uh, that I just, you know, lived off here and went to the river every day. And, you know, Costa Rica was just as crazy as everywhere else. The vaccines, the polarization, the masking when you're in town, like, 
But, you know, for me, it was a minor inconvenience because where I live on the daily, I don't wear, I never wore masks around here. I mean, I live in nature, you know, why would I? Exactly, um, exactly. And that is the reason that I wanted to highlight your experience during the beginning of the pandemic, because I do remember you posting that you had just gotten there and you, like I, embraced the experience in the sense of immersing into the peace and allowing ourselves to share peace with others. I know I started to just simply go online every morning and teach Qigong, which is part of the reason I love your breathe song because Qigong is movement with breath. And as you say, the breathing, talking about a big wraparound to the beginning of our conversation as we are finishing up here, the breathing during uh, the beginning of the pandemic was part of what I wanted to teach everyone. Because if everybody could take the time to, as you noted, breathe into your belly, do that belly breath, allow yourself to release the toxicity, oxygenate your body, allow yourself to release toxic thoughts, all of that through your breathing. It is amazing how powerful that is. Human, mi humano, mi amor. I love mm -hmm. you. I love you. I would love for you to, if you could, leave one thought for our listeners having to do with how would you guide them to push away the fear when it comes to things like making dreams come true? And how would you guide them to take the steps to connect with this divine energy? I think, um, I think one, the one obvious thing is trust your intuition you know, really trust your intuition, keep the faith, don't give up. And also really don't, you know, lean on your, lean on your community because like trying to do it alone is, that's not what the, for me, that's not what the, the world that we're creating is not like, it's all me. And I see a lot of people come here and try and like recreate the wheel. And I, meanwhile, I'm like, no, 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 don't do that. Join me. Like I'm already doing it. Like, why don't you just invest here? But everyone has, you know, and I see like people like, well, no, but I have my vision and my vision is this. And it's like, it's okay. Like, okay, maybe they are just following their intuition. And at the same time, there's a lot of people who are already doing these kinds of projects that are needing support and partnership. And, um, you don't, you know, it's a lot of work to start something from scratch. So, you know, if you, if it's a new thing, maybe like see what else is out there and, and consider joining a team before you just, um, you know, jump into it on your own. Although, you know, trust your intuition and do what, <laughs> do what your intuition says. Listen to nature. That's it. Listen to nature, connect with yourself, community, 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 community. If it was not for my willingness to release, as you said, the desire, the need, the belief of controlling it by doing it myself, I would never have reached out to the different people who have ultimately led me to, for example, Tyler, who is behind the scenes, our lovely sound engineer, because I was doing it all myself. And my intuition said, why are you trying to reinvent the wheel? Even though you have even though I've been responsible for producing and directing things for years in the entertainment industry, it made no sense when I could 
start to build my team with the love energy of different wonderful people in this new community of what I am building and Tyler being one of my angels that I have brought into this. So Tyler, I know you're behind the scenes and I love you. I just want you to know that. (laughs) I love you, human. And as I say to all, uh, when we end our conversations, this is just the beginning of more conversations to come. I wish you the light of God in your thoughts, the love of God in your words, the peace of God in your heart. And with all my heart, namaste, my friend. I honor your beautiful spirit as I honor my beautiful spirit. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Enjoy your day in the tropics of Costa Rica. I loved being there. I am looking forward to being there again. I haven't been there since I think it was 1990, like I said, hanging out with the monkeys in the trees and driving through the jungle and just releasing fear to the universe. And it is absolutely one of the most euphoric times I have ever had being in this beautiful part of the world. Blessings to you, my friend. We will hug in person soon. I promise. Hold you to it. <laughs> ah, love you. Love you too. Well, there you have it. Episode seven with the golden thread of magic and manifestation that comes from high vibe connection. When we simply step into the energy of believing and knowing we are loved by an infinite source that helps us to make our dreams come true when, as Matthew shares, we approach life consciously, aware, and intentionally. Thank you, thank you for your gift of following this podcast and sharing it with others. I love posting new episodes for you every week, and I will always include in the episode notes links for you to contact my guest, like Matthew in Costa Rica. I've coached and guided many, many throughout the years. So if you'd like to meet with me virtually, or if you'd like me to answer a question in one of my podcasts, chat to me directly at Donna-Lisa at thewowevolution.com. And you can follow me on Facebook and Instagram, and I'll keep you up to date with all that's happening in 2024, including what we started a couple weeks ago, DL's Coffee Talk, where my co-host, New Jersey Tude Jordana, and I kick off each weekend, every Friday, live on Facebook for an hour of laughs, conversation, and sometimes, I can't believe I just said that, reflections. Pull up a chair and join us Fridays at 8 a.m. on the West Coast, 11 a.m. on the East Coast. We say, anytime is coffee time. These moments we share together are my divinely inspired gifts from the universe that I'm continually courageously creating here on the World Wide Web simply because with every ounce of my being, I want to help you connect intimately with knowing why you're here, why you are a one-of-a-kind miracle like no other. Think about that. You are a one-of-a-kind miracle like no other. That's pretty powerful. Until next time, know that I appreciate you. I appreciate you being here. And I love that we're able to spend this time together sending blessings and light and love. 
Let's keep taking steps together to make this year the best ever. And remember, you have the choice every day to connect. So just do it. Be the light.